Today, I want to speak to you still in the context of life with a mission, but I want to talk to you today about finding your place. Everyone has got a place. One of the major things that needs to be dealt with in any church is competition. And competition is as a result of insecurity. Let me say that again. Competition, it's as a result of insecurity, which is born out of identity crisis. There is so much competition in the church. So much. And I told you last week, don't ever compare yourself with the next person. You are unique. You are special. You are not the guy sitting beside you. You are you. And when you even talk about the flow of the anointing and the gifts of God, to, to really see the anointing and the gift flow through you, you have to be you. There's a lot of copycat today in the body of Christ. Competition. Because people are insecure. and Because there is an identity crisis. Identity crisis is a problem today. Over the weeks and I believe for over a month, I've endeavored to show you who you are in Christ. When you know who you are in Christ, you live like that. The mirror of the word shows us who we are, not who we are going to be. The word of God is not designed to show you who you should be. The word of God is designed to show you who you are already. That is why it's important that each one of you must learn to see yourself like the word of God sees you. Come on, say amen. amen. <laughs> so we have a lot of competition today. And when I say competition, I'm speaking in a general term. Not in this church specifically, but really in the body of Christ across the globe. Mr. A wants to be Mr. B. Mr. B wants to be Mr. C. Because you don't know who you are, you tend to compare yourself with the next guy. And while you're busy comparing yourself to the next guy, the, guy, the next guy is busy comparing himself to you. <coughs> you desire what they have and they desire what you have. But when you understand who you are in Christ, that will deal completely with identity crisis. So if you find yourself competing with others, it is because of your insecurity. That's a big problem. That's a big problem. 2 Corinthians 5.17 makes it very clear. It says, therefore, if a man is in Christ, he's a new what? He's a new creature. All things have passed away and all things have become new. If you are in Christ, you are new. The old way of life has gone and the new has come. You've got to embrace this. You've got to pray and say, Holy Spirit, open my eyes to see this truth. 
Because until you see that you are new and you are unique and God has given you your gifts and abilities, you keep comparing yourself with other people. The church at Corinth was a church that did not lack when it came to the gifts of the Spirit. Paul wrote them and, say, and said to them, you, you do not lack when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit. But the church at Corinth was a church that did not know their identity. I told the Bible school students yesterday, and I want to tell you the same. The gifts of the Spirit is not what determines how mature you are. What determines a Christian's maturity is the character of Christ. So in the book of Corinth, uh, in the book of Corinth, we see the church at Corinth was operating in the gifts of the Spirit, prophecy, and just name it. They had the gifts, but they had a problem. Identity, crisis, when you don't know who you are, then there's going to be division among you. The church had division. Some said, I belong to Paul. Some said, we belong to Apollos. Some said, we belong to Cephas, that's Peter. And some said, we belong to Jesus. So the church was split into four different groups. One of the things that I believe Pastor Corey have talked about this many times, and I have also lent my voice to this, is breaking cliques. The church should not become cliquish. There's so many people just want to hang out with their own kind. That is not the way the body of Christ should be. My kind, their kind. This is something that revival deals with. Because I look at the church all over the world, and if it's led by a white man, all the white people come there. If it's led by a black man, all the black people go there. But revival is like the coat of many colors. That's why you see here today, all black. Neither are we all white. In actual fact, we know no man after the flesh anymore. Come on now, say amen. I belong to Paul. I belong to Apollos. I belong to Peter. I belong to Jesus. Even those who claimed they belong to Jesus were wrong. All of them were wrong. Because when there is identity crisis... People tend to compartmentalize. I am in this group. I'm in that group. Uh, I belong to the white church. I belong to the black church. I belong to the uh, French church. I belong to the... Give me a break. There's nothing like that in the word of God. <laughs> Come on now, say amen. amen. In Christ Jesus, we are one. Say to your neighbor, in Christ Jesus, we are one. Very important. You are not a threat to me. 
Because I really don't look at you on the outside. I look at who you are in Christ. That is what builds our relationship. Come on now, say amen. Listen, that is where, that's where we come together. We come together in Christ. If we try to come together based on our respective culture, the church will be a very confused church. My culture, your culture, my, my orientation, your orientation, the way I... No, who cares about how you see things? We see things through the mirror of the word. Come on now, your amen is very weak. I say we, we see everything by the mirror of the word of God. Amen. Come on, say amen. amen. So there is no room to have this group and that group and, and the church is so split up in such a way where the church has become weak. Division. Which is as a result of identity crisis. And then the church had so much quarrel. Church at Corinth. So much quarrel. They quarrel to the point where they began to sue themselves. They were taking... They were <laughs> brother was suing brother. Taking him to court. And Paul wrote them and rebuked them. Is there no one in your midst who is mature to handle disputes like this? Don't you know that the church will judge angels? Don't you know that believers will judge unbelievers? Don't you realize who you are? Don't you realize that you've been raised up and you've been given joint sitting with Christ? Don't you realize that you are born again? Don't you realize who you are? If you don't, then you take your matter and your case to those that you are above. Those that you should help are now the ones helping you. Those that you are going to judge are now the ones judging you. Because you forgot who you are and you brought yourself so low. To the point where you now sue your brother, you sue your, si your sister, you take them to court. I know some of you are looking at me this morning and you look like you can't relate to what I'm talking about. But let me bring it home. Let me bring it home. You know when you yield to your, the, old, the old man, the other person, the one you've actually threatened people with. Like I've been emphasizing in the last three weeks. I'll show you my true color. When you yield to that true color. You haven't really seen my other side. That other side of you. Whenever you yield to that. You yield to the flesh. And you find yourself. In a quarrel. In a dispute. And so many times, people take the quarrel and the dispute to the wrong people. And tell the wrong people. And think to themselves, the wrong people are going to bring a solution. When the Bible actually tells us that don't cast that which is holy to dogs. Are you listening to me now? 
And that's what <clears throat> the church at Corinth was doing. Quarrel and uh, suing themselves and suing each other. Look at the book of Romans chapter 12. We're going to read from verse 8. <coughs> Excuse me. Romans chapter 12 from verse 8. I'm going to read from the Amplified Classic. For as in one physical body, we have many parts, organs, members. And all of these parts do not have the same function or use. For we, or so we, numerous as we are, are one body in Christ. Say it, we are one body in Christ. And it says, and individually, we are parts one of another, mutually dependent on one another. Having gifts, faculties, talents, qualities that differ according to the grace given us. Let us use them. He whose gift is prophecy, let him prophesy according to the proportion of his faith. He whose gift is practical service, let him give himself to serving. He who teaches to his teaching. He who exhorts encourages to his exhortation. He who contributes, let him do it in simplicity and liberality. He who gives aid and superintendence with zeal and singleness of mind. He who does acts of mercy with genuine cheerfulness and joyful eagerness. So we see here the Bible uses the human anatomy to describe how unique and different we all are. We are different. I said, we are different. Now look at the human body. Just look at the human body. From my head down to my toes. Different parts, but one body. The revelation that Paul the Apostle got with regards to the body of Christ is very important. And if we understand this, then there won't be room for division and there won't be room for fighting and there won't be room for, for all this unnecessary, unnecessary flesh. We are one body, but we have different functions. One body. If you get nothing, get that. We are one body. I say we are one body. So one body, but different parts. Different parts meaning different responsibilities. Different function. Don't try to be me. Be you. Come on, say amen. My God, you look at some places, you look at some ministries, everyone looks like, like the same. Everyone looks alike. E everyone cuts their hair the same. Everyone dresses the same. You know, it's just sad, to be honest with you. Everyone just looks the same. Everyone talks the same. I know this church way back, I was growing up as a young believer. Everyone talks like the general overseer. Everyone teaches, everyone prays like him. Everyone talks. The moment they start talking, you know, okay. <laughs> everyone looks the same. Everyone talks the, everyone talks the same. Everyone prays the same. Now, I understand that when you're raised up under someone, you will have the traits of that person. But that does not mean you're not different. You still have to maintain your uniqueness. Come on now, say amen. amen. You are unique. You're different. 
One body, different parts. One body, different functions. And what does that tell me? That tells me that each one here has a function. I say each one here has a function. You have a function. No amen here. I say you have a function. God has, God has put you in the body for a reason. You are not here just to sit around and clap hands for others. This is not a spectator sport. Come on now, say amen. amen. Everyone in the church has a job to do. God divine assignment. And last week I began to talk to you about how to find your God divine place. Is that correct? You've got to do what it takes to find it. And you've got to let God prepare you for it. Everyone has a job. There must not be one unused member of the church of the body of Christ today. Because everyone has got something to do. Come on now say amen. So one body, different function. One body, different responsibilities. Tell your neighbor I'm not you. Have you realized that already? <laughs> if everyone talks the same, if everyone looks the same, if everyone, my God, dresses the same. That will be a sad day. Just imagine we all walked into this place, we all look the same. All dress up the same. I mean, everyone dresses up the same. Then that means we've lost the uniqueness. We don't want to lose. I don't want to lose my uniqueness. I am unique. I'm different. You are different. Maintain that. Come on now, say amen. amen. That's very important. It's very important. And this, this, this message of our uniqueness is all through the word of God. All through the word of God. You find out that some according to the fivefold ministry, we have the apostles, we have the prophets, we have the evangelists, we have the pastors, and we have the teachers. Now, if you line up ten apostles, they all look different. They all operate differently. You line up 10 prophets, all operate differently. 10 evangelists, all operate differently. But it's important to understand that some are called to be apostles. Come on, say amen. You might be sitting here this morning and you may not even know it. The hand of God is upon you to be an apostle. And the day will come when God will release you into that ministry. Come on, can someone say amen? God will release you into that ministry just like he did with Paul, just like he did with Barnabas. God will call you and God will release you into the ministry. But it's important to understand that if God's calling you to do anything for the kingdom of God, you must prepare. You must prepare. We cannot overemphasize the need to get ready. I can say this till Jesus comes and it won't be enough. Everyone here this afternoon under the sound of my voice must understand that God has something special for you and for you to attain to the place that God wants you to and accomplish the purpose of God, you must allow the Lord prepare you. Come on, can someone say amen? amen. 
You've got to get ready. Some are called to be apostles. Some are called to be prophets. Apostles are those who pioneer a new work. They are those who go to places where people have never gone to. Come on now, say amen. And they build a work. And others are raised up under them. Today you have so many. They call themselves apostles. I'm sorry to say they are not apostles at all. Because if you are an apostle, you're going to be doing something fresh. You're going to be doing something new. You're going to be building some new work. You're going to be raising up leaders. Come on, can someone say amen? And some are called to be prophets. Those who speak by divine inspiration. Those who see visions and dreams. Come on, say amen. And God will raise you up and God will anoint you and God will give you the gift things of, an, of a prophet. And you shall begin to speak into the life of people and you shall begin to speak even into the nations. Come on, say amen. amen. But you must prepare. Tell someone you've got to prepare. Now, this is important. A lot of people don't want to prepare. They just want to jump in. They just want to step in. Oh, Lord, I've got a ministry. Let me do it. I was talking about this last week, how the church is the only institution in the world that doles out positions and titles to men and women that are not qualified. So, get ready. Get ready. Prepare yourself. The Lord wants to use you. Prepare yourself. God has called you. Prepare yourself. There is a ministry upon your life. There is a mandate upon your life. You've got to get ready. Come on now, say amen. amen. I know maybe some of you don't even want to hear this this morning. This is not what you came to hear. But I'm telling you the word of the Lord. I'm not here to tell you that God's going to give you a million dollars tomorrow and then you shout and scream and roll on the floor. Now, that is not why I've come up here today because that's not what the Lord told me to tell you. The Lord said to tell you, you have a call upon your life and it's time to get ready to accomplish the call of God that's upon your life. Some have been running away from it, but it's time to obey God. It's time to yield to the plan of God and it's time to give yourself to God and that he might train you for a season and release you into what he has in store for you. Can someone shout amen? amen. <clears throat> Heard the story of this man who was praying and saying, God, you've called me into the ministry. I'm supposed to be in the ministry, but what's going on? You're not releasing me into the ministry. The Lord said to him, straighten out your doctrine. <clears throat> Excuse me. Straighten out your doctrine. I'm not going to send you to my people and you put them in bondage. Go walk something out in your life and straighten out your doctrine before I release you. Listen, God calls, but we prepare. I said, God calls, but we prepare. Pre say amen. amen. And until you prepare, forget about stepping out. Until you're ready, forget about stepping out. If you're not ready, you're not ready. Praise God. So some are called to be evangelists, carriers of the good news. Well, everyone should carry the good news, right? But these ones are called into the full-time ministry of an evangelist where they carry the good news to the nations. I remember when Pastor Corey started this church, a young man came to him and said to Pastor Corey, I am an evangelist. Pastor Corey said, how many crusades have you done? He said, none. Go and sit down. You're not an evangelist. <laughs> 
I've met over the years, I've met people who said to me, Pastor God, well, I'm a pastor. I said, where's your church? It's in Africa. Go back. No, listen, if you're a pastor, the, the job of a pastor is to stay with the flock. The pastor is a shepherd. Come on, say amen. amen. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for the flock. John chapter 10. Come on, say amen. amen. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Say amen. amen. And so we draw our example from Jesus because he is the good shepherd. He is the good pastor. And if you are a pastor, then you have to be with the flock. Come on, say amen. amen. You have to be there, raise them up, train them, impart into their lives, correct them, rebuke them, encourage them, cry with them, laugh with them. Come on, I think someone will say amen to that. Amen. No, that's the work of a pastor. You, you stay with them, you cry with them, you laugh with them. Come on now, you raise them up, you correct them. Amen. You do whatever it takes to help them. That's the job of a pastor. Praise God. So if you tell me you're a pastor but you left your church in Africa, I recommend to you to get on the plane and fly back to your church in Africa and stay with them. <sighs> and some are called to be teachers. Praise God. But if you look at the text, it also talks about those that are called to practical service. I won't say practical service. Now, now you, you look at some people, you can see that they are called to do this. And, and I can actually begin to think about somebody right now in this church. And I can think about a few people in this church that are, I believe they're gifted for practical service. Practical service means practical service. Just he helping with carrying stuff and, and helping with moving things and helping with cleaning and just doing all the practical things that needs to be done. But, Pastor Godwell, that is such a low-life job. No, it's not. No, it's not. Everyone that starts out in practical service eventually steps into the ministry. I tell you the truth because you see those that are in full-time ministry, they're preaching and teaching and all of that. It's important we understand that they did not start behind the pulpit. <laughs> Some people just want to start, start behind the pulpit. Give me an opportunity to preach. I've got a message. If you have a message, first go clean the toilet. Let's see. <laughs> Hello? Hi. Some people don't want to leave, carry anything. They don't want to clean nothing. Everyone cleans and they sit there looking cute. Everyone, everyone is sweeping and everyone is carrying stuff. And they, they, they zoom out and leave. But they have a ministry. Give me a ministry break. You can't do menial tasks, forget ministry. You're not qualified. Are you listening to me? I feel like I'm in Bible school right now. Just feel like I'm teaching ministerial ethics. If you can't, if you can't sweep, if you can't clean the toilet, you are too clean. You are too dignified to clean. Forget about promotion in the kingdom of God. Because in the kingdom of God, the way up is down. 
Jesus took a basin and took water in the basin and took a towel. And Jesus, Jesus, the Son of God, he began to wash the feet of the disciples. Jesus. I'm too dignified. I can't do that. Well, forget it because you're not qualified for any kind of promotion in the kingdom of God. Practical service. All hands on deck. Come on now, say amen. amen. So we see here, some people are called to practical service. And if that is what the Lord has anointed you to do, then do it with all your might. Do it with all your heart. Love it. Do it. Listen, that is an aspect of the body of Christ. Notice, it also talks about givers. Some are called to be givers. I was talking to somebody, this was a number of years ago, and as we were chatting, the young man said to me, Pastor Godwell, I want to be a kingdom financier. Because I had asked him the question, what is on your heart? What do you want to do? He said, Pastor Godwell, I want to be a kingdom financier. Some people are anointed to make a lot of money. Listen to me. The Lord will give you the ability, the grace to create wealth. Come on, say amen. amen. Now, he does that because he wants to use you for the propagation of the gospel. It is not how much you have. It is how much you give. For those that are called to be givers. It is not how much. Now everyone should be a giver. But there are some people that God has just anointed them and graced them. Everything they touch is blessed. God gives them ideas. God gives them wheat, this wheat invention. God gives them this. They go to bed. They see a dream. And they're sitting there and business ideas are coming to them. These people, for the most part, are in the marketplace. And God anoints them to be successful in the marketplace. And God gives them so much money. For a reason. The reason is to propagate the gospel. It's getting quiet. The reason is to propagate the gospel. Come on now, say amen. Everyone should be a giver. But there are some that are called by God and anointed. I believe with all my heart because the Bible says here, those that are called to give, they should do it in simplicity. Don't do it with strings attached. Some are called and some are anointed to just make money and be a blessing. Come on now, can someone shout amen? amen. <laughs> Givers. I told a story of a young man I met in Lagos in, what year was that? 2010. Who said to me, all we do in my department, so I belong to a department in the church, all we do is give money. That's all we do. All we do is give money. All we do is give money. We're, we're talking about this, I believe it was in the month of September 
2010, and he said to me, I've given tens of thousands of dollars already. He said, my, my group leader has already given a million dollars. And uh, before the year runs out, I know I'm going to do more. All they do is give. But here is the thing I discovered when I was speaking to him. I looked at his face and I could see the sincerity. I could see the desire to give. You know, some people would say, oh, all they need, all they want is my money. People like that don't have this grace. People who say all they want is my money do not have this grace. But there are those with this grace. Can, come on, can someone say amen? amen? There are those with this grace. The grace to give. And if, if that grace is upon your life, then do it. Come on, say amen. amen. As if the grace is on you, do it. Who believes the grace is on them? Everyone will lift their hand up. <laughs> Some people are graced to do this. Amen. But then you keep reading. He talks about, does not just talk about those that are graced to give, but he also talks about those that are graced to be people that show mercy. Some people are graced to show mercy. That was a mercy. It breaks your heart to see kids on the street with no food and no clothes. It breaks your hearts to see ladies that are, that are used as sex workers. It breaks your hearts to see orphans. And they want to do whatever it takes to help them and to bless them because... There is this grace to show mercy. They want to feed the poor. They want to bring people out from the streets and put them into shelters and, and, and take care of them. Are you listening to me? There are those that God has graced to do that. And even as I speak, whatever the gift is in your heart that God has put in you, it begins to burn even right now. Oh, yes, it begins to burn, and you begin to realize, yes, what Pastor Godwell is talking about is what I have known in my heart all these years, and this is what I'm supposed to do. A number of years ago, the Lord showed me a dream, and I came to church, and I spoke to the brother uh, uh, because the Lord has shown me that he, he had graced him with the ability to help poor people, people who struggle. And I saw in my dream, he pulled up in a truck, and there was all this good stuff in the truck. And he was just distributing all this goodies to people who needed them. Maybe clothes and shoes and, and just name it. Just distributing to people. And I say, hey, bro, this is what I saw. And the moment I told him, you could see his, his eyes just lighted up. And he said, that is my heart. That is what I want to do. So as I speak to you now... Your heart is burning. You know that you are called to be a giver. 
You know you're called to be a kingdom financier. You know that God has called you to be one of those that will show mercy. You can't just see people suffer and you, you turn your face away. You can't do that. You want to see what you can do to help them. You want to put food on people's table. And listen, everyone is called and everyone is gifted differently. Come on now, say amen. Is this helping anybody today? Everyone is called and everyone is gifted. Say it with me, I am called. And I am gifted. Everyone has a function. Therefore, there shouldn't be an unused member in the body of Christ. There are those called to leadership. As we read there, it talks about those that are called to leadership. And if you're called to leadership, you've got to be raised up. How? By another leader. Say amen. See, because people just want to do it, but they don't want to be trained. You've got to be trained. You've got to be raised up to be an effective leader if you're called to be a leader. Go with me to the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Today I'm doing one of my jobs as a pastor. Because <laughs> everyone has a gift. But we are one body. Everyone needs to rise. So 1 Corinthians 12, I'm going to read from verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body. Did you see that? So it is with Christ. So we can understand here that the body is one, the body of Christ is one, but each one in the body has a role and has a responsibility. It says in verse 13, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. So now we don't look at anybody according to the flesh. We don't look at people according to their nationality. We don't look at people according to their race, their natural race. Because in Christ Jesus we are one, and in Christ Jesus we have all been made to drink of one spirit, and that is the Holy Spirit. Are you born again? If you are, and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you and I are brothers. You and I are family. That's a good place to say amen. amen. You and I are family. doesn't matter where you come from. Amen. In the natural, what matters is what has joined us together. One family in Christ. Drinking from the same spirit. Amen. Let me preach to people here in this section because this, this place is very hot. There's no wonder people are falling asleep. This place is hot. Can we increase that? It's hot. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Yeah. Uh, that was speaking French. What's that? I'm sent by God. Praise God. Okay. 
Okay, I'll talk about that later. Tell him, tell him I'll talk about that later. Okay? Tell him I'll, uh, you see me later. Praise God. Take your seat. We'll talk later. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Someone say amen. Amen. So this section, what's up with you? Wake up now. Look at me. Hey, are you here? Yes. Say amen. amen. Good. So one body, say one body. One Many, functions. Many functions. Say with me, I have a role. I have a part to play. Praise God. Hallelujah. Say with me, I, I am not chop lever. I'm not chop lever. I, am I am important. If you believe it, say amen. amen. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. That's verse 13. Jews or Greeks. All of us, the wall of creation has been broken. Amen. The wall of separation has been broken. No race, no nationality. If you understand what I mean by that. We will not discriminate because you're coming from this part of the world. In Christ we are all the same. In Christ, we are one. And I want us to understand that today. Because, listen, li listen guys, until we do, there's still going to be all this competition and division and trouble. And this is not just for this church. Whoever watches this in the subsequent days, weeks, months to come, Need to understand what I'm talking about. And I believe that the body of Christ all over the world needs to rise up together. And understand that if we have been drinking from the Holy Spirit. And we are filled with the same Holy Spirit. There is no room for division. I belong to Paul. I belong to Peter. I belong to Apollos. I belong to this. Should not, should not cripple the church. The church needs to rise up together as one. Come on now, say amen. amen. And each of us have a role to play. Because listen, if you don't do what God wants you to do, you're going to stand before him and you're going to give account. The Bible makes that very clear in the book of 1 Corinthians. That we shall give account of the life we have lived and the things that we have done. The gift things that he has given to us. And if the work that we do here does not please God, it shall be burnt up. That's why it's good to know your place. Tell your neighbor, know your place. Verse 14 says, For the body does not consist of one member, but many. Now watch this, verse 15. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. Is that true? Just imagine one day your foot says, I'm not part of you. <laughs> well, you just wake up one morning, your foot says, no, I'm not part of you anymore. <laughs> now, what will happen to the foot if the foot is, is cut off? 
from the body. What will happen to it? It will die. It will die. And is that not what the devil is doing? Is that not the scheme and, and the plan and the device of the enemy? Is that not the, the tactics of the devil to cut people away from the body? You hear people say, well, I'm not going to come to church because somebody, somebody offended me last week. And so I, I'll, not be, I'll not be in church. Well, the enemy is trying to kill you. Listen now to me. The enemy is trying to kill you. And one of the biggest things that we've seen at the church that the enemy has used to kill many is offense. Offense. People take offense and they leave the church. And they wonder why they're not the way they used to be. Well, you're not the way you used to be because you've left the body. Are you listening to me? So the foot cannot say, I don't belong to the body. If the foot says that, does not change it. The foot belongs to the body. Except the foot just want to cut itself off and go do his own thing. Verse 16, and if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? Are you saying that? So we all have different responsibilities. Because think about if my whole body is my eye. Just one big eye. One big, one big eye standing in front of you. That's a freak of nature. One big eye standing right in front of you. Just big eye. I don't think any of you will be sitting here listening to this. To the big eye, right? Is that correct? Or one big ear just standing here. And no, I have eyes and ears and nose. And these are different parts of my body and they carry out different function. Come on, say amen. amen. If all I have is one big ear, all I'm going to do is ear, ear, just hear from people. Right? If all I've got is a, one big eye, I'm just going to be looking and nothing else. But no, I have different parts of my body and the different parts of my body have different responsibilities. So is the body of Christ. Amen. My God, I thought someone would say amen. Amen. Verse 18, but as it is, God arranged. I like this. Who did arrange? God. If you read that in the, uh, in the KJV, it says, Now God hath set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. Can I submit to you? Look up, look up at me. Can I submit to you? That makes it very clear that I don't get to choose the church I attend. I don't, I don't get, it, it, it's not me that chooses the church. Some years ago, a young man came to me. He, he actually sat around this place and after the service walked up to me and shook hands with me. And he said to me, Pastor Godwell, this is the fourth, I think it was the fourth church. He said, this is the fourth church I'm attending today. <laughs> fourth church? He thought I would be impressed. You look at people like that and you, 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 you can tell why they, they are confused. Because if in one Sunday you've gone to four churches. And people deceive themselves to think, well, if I go from church to church to church, I will get a lot of stuff. No, if you go from church to church to church, at the end of the day you will be confused. 
Come on, say amen. amen. Now, I'm not saying you can't visit other churches. That's not what I'm trying to say. But the Bible says, those that are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Can someone say amen? amen. So find, let the Lord put you in a church. And some of you are new here today. If the Lord wants you to be here, then be here. Praise God. And let the Lord use you here. And allow the Lord use you here. Come on, say amen. amen. So, you don't get to choose. Tell your neighbor you don't get to choose. He puts you in a church. Stay there. Until, and until he tells you to move on to the next place, don't move. And this is one of the problems that I've also seen with people. You know, they just wake up one morning and they travel to the next town. They wake up one morning, they travel to the next country. Never consult with God. Never consult with spiritual authority or spiritual advice. Nothing. They just wake up and go. And many get to the next country and they waste away. Because they left the place where God had planted them. We've had many come through here. About six months ago, I was visiting some in Paris. And I went from house to house and they came to see me. We hung out and most of them, if not all of them, don't even go to church again. But when they were here, my God, we laid hands on them. <gasps> Atesh, fire, moto. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ooh, ooh, fire. Fire, 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 fire. But woke up one morning, get on something and went over. There's a way that seemeth right to men. The end of it is destruction. Fire is gone. The passion for God is gone. No desire to even go to church. All over the world. All over the world. People deceive themselves to think, if I go to that country... No, don't go to that country. Stay in the presence of God. Amen. Come on now, say amen. amen. Pastor Godwell is trying to tell us not to travel. No, that's not what I'm saying today. What I'm saying to you is, stay where God has planted you. And if it is here, stay here. If it is in Canada, go to Canada, but make sure you find a good church. But don't just wake up and run and wake up and go and wake up and do your own thing. And then you expect God to pay for what you've ordered for. If God has not ordered for it, God's not going to pay for it. If God has ordered for it, then just then be rest assured God's going to take care of you. Come on now, can someone say amen? amen. Is somebody getting what I'm saying this morning? Yes. Is this helping anybody? People have made themselves, put themselves in a position where God can't even trust them anymore. Do you know that God has lost trust in some people? What a word. Pastor God, how dare you say that? Well, why shouldn't I say that? 
The Bible says the eyes of the Lord runs to and fro the whole earth, searching for those whose hearts are loyal towards him, that he might show himself strong on their behalf. So when you say, Lord, I trust you, don't you also know that God also wants to trust you? Come on, say amen. And God does not just throw around his trust. I met a guy, this was um, sometime last year, and we got talking. It was the first time. And I can't remember what led to what. Led to what. And he asked the question, he said, Do, don't you trust me? I said, no, I don't trust you. You don't trust me? No, I don't trust you. I just met you. How can I trust you? So people are, I don't understand the way people think. How can I trust you when I just met you? God himself don't trust people that do not prove themselves. Do you trust me? No. Show me that I can trust you. Are you listening to me? Everyone has a gift. Everyone has a place in the body. And everyone needs to rise up. And if you're called to be a preacher, get ready. How do you get ready? I said it last week. Come to River Bible Institute. If you're called to the marketplace ministry, you, you want to be a great business person, then learn from those that are doing what you would love to do. I heard the story of this young man who wanted to be a millionaire. You know what he did? He got himself 500 U.S. dollars, and he found himself five very successful businessmen. And he went to each of them and offered them $100 for an hour. He said, if you will give me an hour, I know this is nothing. $100 is small compared to what you make. But if you give me an hour of your time, I want to pick your brain. Each of them accepted. He sat with each of them for an hour. And at the end... Of each session, he gave them the money and none of them would take it. Because they were impressed that this young man wants to do well. A lot of people want to do well, but they're not willing to humble themselves and learn. Therefore, we have all this competition. Some are in the, business, in the marketplace serving their boss. And they serve their boss for three months and they start their own business. They haven't even learned anything. Because they look at the boss and the boss is making all this money and all these clients are coming and they think to themselves, if I start mine, I'll make as much. No, listen, listen, listen. Stay there and learn. Praise God. Come on now, say amen. We have a, 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 big, a big problem right now in, 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 in the African community. Churches are popping up now like uh, popcorn. Sorry to say, some, people, some of these people unfortunately can't even wipe their behind well. Sorry, I apologize for my French. No, I'm telling Some can't even, don't even know their life from their right, but they want to pastor a church. Pastoring a church is, 
not standing behind that pulpit. There is more that I do than standing behind the pulpit. That's true. This is what. How many percent of the work? You need wisdom to deal with people daily. I know some of you can preach a great message. It's not about preaching a great message only. There's more you do when you leave the pulpit. And I thought someone would say, God help me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Say with me, I have a gift. I'll invest it into the kingdom of God for maximum harvest. Lord, help me in Jesus' name. And everyone shout amen. amen.